All right. Let's uh, let's try to change the atmosphere a little bit. Bubba walked into the church on Sunday morning. Pastor, right away. Bubba, what's wrong? He said, well, Pastor, I need you to pray for my hearing. He said, all right. Pastor laid hands on him, prayed for his hearing. When he was done, he said, so how's your hearing? He said, I don't know. My hearing's not until Tuesday morning. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Laughter does good like medicine. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this blessed day that you have given us. There is only one day with you, Lord. It's called today. And we thank you that we will spend all the grace that you give us for today to be a blessing, to advance the kingdom, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you have plowed the ground of our hearts, Lord, and now we are ready to receive the precious manna, the Word of God, into good ground, into tilled ground, and that it will take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, obviously, this has been quite a week. Uh, Even more things than shared here this morning, things that, uh, other things with people that most of you don't know, and I don't want to just make a laundry list of more tragedies, you know, but there has been a lot. Uh, We want to continue to remember and to pray for, you know, the the 19 children that were lost and the two adults and... uh, even the grandmother that was shot. Pray for those precious souls and all those that are hurting. Um, We just ask uh, that the Lord be with all those that are grieving now and uh, in the days and weeks and years to come, that they be comforted. Amen. Amen. Today is uh, Memorial Day. And... uh, We're here in the the VFW, and uh, we thank God for all of our servicemen. But this isn't Veterans Day. This is Memorial Day. This is, and uh, unfortunately, Randy's not here today, but but this is Memorial Day. And we want to give thanks for all those who have given their lives in service to this great nation. No matter what the trials that we face, and they are great. This is the greatest nation on earth. It was founded on the premises and principles of God. The founders knew that if you withdrew that, it would begin to decay. And I believe that we have entered into the, the beginning stages of a third great awakening in this nation. And it can, it can cover two, three decades. It can... But there will be revivals and fires igniting all over this country. I'm talking about good spiritual fires. And and I'm believing that the youth of this nation are going to rise up. And they're going to evangelize this country and the world like never before. And just remember that the first two great awakenings. One one was brought up. They come out of tragedy. So there's, there's trials ahead. And the first one was spawned by the Revolutionary War. And the second by the Civil War. So, we want to be a part of everything that God is doing, and we thank Him. But you know, I was looking up yesterday, 1.1 million soldiers have died, given their lives in service to this country. That's a lot. And uh, we don't want to forget them. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, He who comforts us all in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. So we want to just pray that prayer and remember all of those who have lost loved ones in service to this country and, of course, all the other tragedies that are happening around. I was looking at a... I've got a chart here I printed out and uh, because I was curious. And it shows all of the soldiers lost, the amount of... in the different wars of this nation. And... Uh, Around 4,400 in the Revolutionary War, 2,200 in the 1812 War, about 1,000 in the Indian Wars, 13,000 in the Mexican War, right at half a million in the Civil War. And then the Spanish-American War, 2,400, World War I, 116,000, World War II, 405,000, Vietnam, 90,000, Korea, 50,000. 54, I got those backwards. The Persian Gulf, 1,500. Global War on Terror, 6,800. So, just just looking at that, those two, that, that long bar there in the middle really stands out. Almost half of all the deaths of soldiers lost in service to this country were in a war amongst ourselves. Hmm? Abraham Lincoln said, From whence shall we expect the approach of danger? Shall some transatlantic military giant step the earth and crush us at a blow? Never. All the armies of Europe and Asia could not by force take a drink from the Ohio River or make a track on the Blue Ridge in the trial of a thousand years. No, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we will live forever or die by suicide. We're a divided nation. We're a nation where God has been stiff-armed at every turn. Huh? Huh? And I can tell you the steps of the downward progression, starting back from the Scopes Monkey Trials and this, and people withdrew in their churches and withdrew from entertainment and from politics and from the media and things like that. And in the 60s, they removed the Bible from the church and they removed, I mean, from the schools and they removed prayer from the schools. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse ever since. God loves people. God is love. It's His desire that everyone be saved. So those who teach that the sovereignty of God is, is all in all, whatever God intended, that's what's going to happen. That's a lie from the devil. It's God's will that none should perish, but that everyone should come to His Son, Jesus Christ, to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, and be saved. But they won't, will they? Not all. We know because God has already seen the entire history, the beginning to the end of human history, of mankind. Hmm? God created time. He's not in it. It's like a ruler suspended in, 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 in space here. He's already, it's already all played out in his mind, yet we are in the midst of it now. He's a God who created time. He's not bound by it. Huh? He knows, he knows who will choose Him hmm? by His foresight, His foreknowledge. He knew, and those He foreknew, He predestined to be the children of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. That highway to hell is broad and populated, huh? Verse 14, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. That's a, that's a hard reality. Now, does that mean when we get to heaven, there's just going to be a few people there? No. There's what, about 7 billion people on earth, and I don't know how many billions have lived, probably double that amount. 
So out of that number, it will be relatively few. <laughs> but the church isn't just a handful. Amen. But congratulations to you chosen few. This little part of Jesus' body. If you belong to Christ, if God drew you and you responded by faith to His finished work, made Him your Lord and Savior, good choice. (laughs) You know, God knows who will choose Him. But we don't, do we? So, we try to reach everyone. The utopia that some unwittingly say they are striving for in this world. And many times, I must say, through demonic, ungodly tactics, are just lost souls who have tried to reason God in their own minds what is best with their own peanut brains and without God and the only truth which is the word of God his truth people will always make a mess of things people will always come to ruin they say well I think well I think well I think who cares what we think we need to be saying I believe based upon the word of God that this or that. Huh? Otherwise, it's just vain philosophy or gossip or divisiveness, pride, which God opposes, by the way. I really struggled this week in lots of ways. Been doing doing some battle. Which really just means I get to spend more time with the Lord. Because doing battle against the enemy just means spending more time magnifying God and praising Him and thanking Him and being in His presence. Amen. Amen. I don't give the enemy too much attention. But I really struggled. Lord, what should I minister in light of Memorial Day and then the tragic deaths in Uvalde? I felt like he said, the only thing that matters, continue to tell them about me. I need workers for the harvest is what he's putting upon my heart. And you know, I was inspired this week by several things, even in Uvalde. You see, I'm not one of those that is always looking, especially now. I, I ask the Lord, what should I say? And He says, listen, don't weigh in on all that. The what ifs and the this blame shifting and all that. I mean, the fog hasn't even settled yet. And there are people that that's what they're here for. But I was inspired by some of the heroic acts of of some. A border patrol agent who was getting a haircut and borrowed the shotgun from the barber and they both ran down there and he got his wife and daughter out of that school and emptied a bunch of classrooms, didn't he? Yes, he did. (laughs) And I don't did other things. I I don't want to... But I and my wife, we've... I'm sure like most of you, we've shed tears over this. It's just tragic. But I was inspired by one of the victims in this tragic massacre. A nine-year-old sweet child who loved Jesus. Tavana and I watched her little TikTok video last night. And my sweet wife just cried. But her name was Ellie Garcia. And I think she's worth mentioning today. She had recently, not not while this was happening, but just in the days prior, she had recently posted a short video to TikTok about Jesus before she died. She said, hey guys, I just 
wanted to give you a little catch up. Jesus, he died for us. So when we die, we'll be up there with him. She said, in my room, I have three pictures of him. And that was it. In a later post, her father talked about how his daughter loved to pray. And he posted a picture of her from January. She was laying on her bed with her hands folded in prayer. And her daddy posted, Caught my Ellie in the middle of her talk with our Almighty. I love you, baby girl, and I love the way you pray. He said she prayed every night out loud so they could all pray with her and give thanks about that day. Little Ellie, she would have been 10 years old next week. But you know, she's still preaching the gospel. She's received thousands of hits online. You know, people looking. That's what that means. So she's still preaching the gospel. And praise God, she's with Jesus. My great friend and the great man of God, Scott Hinkle, was here a couple of weeks ago. Huh? And he reminded us, why did Jesus leave us here after we were saved? And he gave us five reasons. To be a hell-resistant people. The gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Amen? The church. To be ambassadors for Christ, for the kingdom of God. To be vessels empowered by the Holy Spirit. I've said my entire ministry, this end times church is going to suffer great trials and tribulation. And there's going to be divisions and there's going to be there's going to be false prophets and false doctrine and false churches and false ministers. And the real end times church, they're going to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, walking in power and victory and love. And it's going to be obvious. You throw down your rod, I'll throw down mine, and we'll see who God is with. To occupy until He returns was the fourth thing. To be about our Father's business. And then the fifth thing, which is a number I'm quite fond of, the number for grace, he said to be a voice for Jesus. You know, you have a testimony, each and every one of you. You have a testimony of your own and you have a sphere of influence in this life that I will never have. There are some people that will hear you that will never, ever. It'd be like I'm talking to a brick wall. But you, God will give an open door into their lives. And listen, you don't need a... You hear that 15 second sermon that little Ellie preached? People will get saved from that, that message. Yes, they will. She'll, she'll, she'll see people in heaven because of that little message on TikTok. So don't ever think God won't use her. You don't have anything to say. Just because you're not the preacher in the pulpit. Listen, you don't want this job unless God called you to it. It will destroy you and you will hurt others. But do what God has called you to do. Amen. Amen. God needs doctors and lawyers and Indian chiefs. He needs everybody. Because we should be affecting every part of our culture. Hmm? We need to get politics out of the pulpit in the sense that pastors don't need to have the fear of man and play politics so that they're certain not to offend anyone. But we need to be influencing politics because the pulpit is what was always supposed to have the domain. Based on the Word of God, here's what's coming up before us, and here's what the obvious choice will be based on the truth of God's Word. And if Christians would agree with God, everything would change overnight. The divisions and schisms in the body of Christ are man-made. And listen, Christ is coming back for a bride, not a harem. We need to unify and be agreed at least on the the vital points of the Word of God. If you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, I don't care. 
As long as you believe He's coming back for us, we're okay. If you think you need to be sprinkled, dipped, or dunked, or like I do, just hold them under until you know they repented. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay? It's not a deal breaker. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ah. <laughs> uh. I tell you, last week we were talking about living a life after the Spirit because we are creating disciples. We are trying to help heal everywhere we hurt, be empowered by God's promises, to know the reality of God's love for us and to prosper in every way. Once we receive that help, we can go and help others with that same help. Amen. What does life after the Spirit look like? We were going from Romans chapter 8. Why is it important to walk after the Spirit? We're called to live a life after the Spirit instead of after the flesh. You are in the Spirit if you are saved. You don't have to worry about being in and out of the Spirit. But you choose whether to walk after the Spirit of God or after the flesh. Hmm? And so we found some Scripture that talked about the benefits and some clues huh, about what it looks like so that we can put it on, so we can make it our own and so that it becomes revelation and understanding that we have so we can walk after the Spirit. huh? I, I don't want to put something in his mouth. Uh, forgive me, Lord. I have a little... <laughs> I repent. That would be so funny. Even like a marshmallow or something. You know. <laughs> At least he has peace here, hey? Amen. Praise God. Jesus. Just like with kids. People have brought kids before, you know, and had babies making noise. I said, let them, leave them alone. The only worse thing than, than hearing a crying baby in church is not hearing any children at all. Bring everybody in. Amen. We saw something really interesting in Romans chapter 8. Try not to drag my feet because I want to get to the message this week. Like it didn't last week. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Or that's chapter 8, verse 1. Forgive me. That's how it starts out. Therefore, now no condemnation. I tell you, that's based on the first seven chapters of Romans. He laid out so skillfully everything that's been done for us. Everything that's been removed out of the way and accomplished on our behalf. Because of Jesus, now there is therefore, because of Jesus' finished work and us putting faith in that grace, no condemnation for us. For those who live, verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Set their minds. You see, God didn't set your mind. You set your mind. Your soulish realm is the chooser of your life. Set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who is definitely in control of this church. He's not excluded. Set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Set the mind. Set the mind. Here is your born-again Spirit on one side of you. You're a three-part being. Let's just, for purposes, let's just say, here's the Spirit. Holy Spirit, it's all in you, but let's just say here's the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the character, the personality of God. And you have in your born-again spirit the very mind of Christ, the kingdom of God, all the character of God, always praising God, always in agreement with God, always rejoicing with God. Your soul 
And over here on the other side, you got the flesh. It always is selfish that responds to the things it can hear, feel, taste, touch, and see. It wants to be satisfied. It wants what it wants. We to be, and then our soulish realm is in the middle. Our personality, our mind and will and emotions. Our spirit is already saved and sealed. One third of your salvation is over. Now we're here to renew our minds according to the Word of God to come into agreement with the Spirit of God that is in us. But we still have a choice, this free will. We can agree with the flesh or we can agree with our spirit. Hmm? We, this soul, Ishram, is the chooser. It makes the choice is in your life. So you set your mind on what you choose to set your mind on. I can't help what I think. Yes, you can. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't tell you that you could. Therefore, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is honorable, admirable, praiseworthy, think on these things, huh? Philippians 4, 8, I think. So God wouldn't ever tell us to do something He hadn't given us the power to do. He'd be unjust. So to set the mind as a choice. No condemnation in Christ. And that's not something reserved. I, I told you last week, I broke it down all the way from the Greek. And I'm not, not, not that good at all that, but I had to study it out. But I show you, that's not something reserved for heaven, it's a present tense situation. No condemnation now. So those born again believers who are still walking in condemnation, you're being condemned by the devil or by your own conscience, not by God. You have set your mind on the wrong things. It's not God who condemns. And even if your conscience condemns you, the Bible says that God is greater than your conscience. So folks, what is this? An invitation to run to God instead of from Him. Like so often people do when they feel unworthy. Listen, God isn't making you feel unworthy. Jesus bore the penalty for every sin you would ever, ever commit. Well, I know He... he, he forgave me for all the sins until I chose Him. But now, now that, that perfection and holiness ministry told me that now He did His part. Now i got to live it out perfectly or else I'm in hell. I'm out of hell. I'm saved to give. I didn't get this one under the blood. Those are all lies from the pit of hell, folks. If He can't, if he can't forgive you for future tense sins, then you're in big trouble because He only died once for your sins 2,000 years before you ever committed one. And it was all of them. Matter of fact, this this will get you kicked out of most churches. He not only died for your sins, He died for every sin of every person who ever lived. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Why aren't they all saved? Because we're not just saved by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. You have... We have to have a faith response to the grace of God that Jesus has provided in order to receive that free gift. I'm getting into a different message. (laughs) Romans 8, verse 30 through 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is for you. God loves you. God is good. God is not the destroyer. Satan is. 
Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief, Satan, is, is the liar, the deceiver. He's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing in creation can separate you from the love of God. The only thing that can separate you from the love of God is your own free will. Why is the mind set on the spirit, made up, decided? Oh, it's so good to decide in advance what you would do. When the time comes. That's why we teach our young people. Alright. There are going to be things arise in your life. Peer pressure. You're going to be confronted with drugs and alcohol and premarital sex and this and that and that. Here's what you do. And here's why. It's not because God doesn't want you to have fun. You explain it to them, don't you? So that they can make up their mind in advance. Huh? If I take a job as a soldier to represent this flag and to protect my country it's, or to serve my community, it's not just a career choice so I can get an education. I'm part of that responsibility is to make up my mind in advance that I will lay down my life for that cause and I'm not going to have to stop and think about it because when you stop and think about it, you're froze and you're stuck and the devil got you. The devil's got you. The born again spirit has the mind of God, the promises of God, the peace of God, the grace of God, and the flesh is death. The flesh is death. And your soul is the chooser, the decider of your life. So what will you magnify? What will you decide, choose to think on, to act on, to meditate on? Your life is going to go the predominant way of your thoughts. Hmm? Do you know that? Isaiah 26, 3, the Lord says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Would you say set the mind? Whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts in me. That's what he said. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a redeemed, justified empowered, born-again child of the Most High God? Or do you see yourself as a victim, as sick, as poor? You see what I'm saying? Not saying bad things don't happen to good people. Not saying this isn't Christian science where somebody cuts your arm off and is laying there on the floor. That's not my arm. That's not Christian or science. We don't deny the facts. Hmm? But I'll tell you this, a symptom in your body is just a reality looking for a place to live. And this, your body is the temple now of the Holy Spirit of God and it really has no authority. Those symptoms, that sickness, that infirmity, whatever spirit it is that's trying to come upon you that is not entitled to be there. Who has the authority to run it off? You do. The great Kenneth Hagin had a vision. He, he, was, he was with the Lord in his bedroom. And he was right beside his bed. And he pulled up a chair. And he was talking to Kenneth Hagin when he was a, a boy. And he was telling him stuff and revealing wonderful things to him. And this little demon came... And he said it was just like a little monkey thing. It was just, but it was making noise and jumping around in between them. And he couldn't hear the Lord. He was getting so frustrated. He didn't want to miss anything. And he was confounded by it. He was like, I wonder why the Lord isn't doing anything to stop this. And finally he got so mad, he said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And it took off. And he asked the Lord, why didn't you do it? He said, 
I'm done. I gave you the authority. If you hadn't done that, I, I couldn't. He uses us now. You know? When he sat down at the right hand of the Father, it wasn't because he was tired, just like when the Lord rested on the seventh day. It wasn't because he was tired. Somebody told me that recently. Oh, I know it was, and he's listening to the message today. God bless you. I'm just trying to bring a little correction here, not to you, to the body of Christ. Have you ever heard of... Oh, what's on the uh, forefront of today's culture? Uh, Lawyers, right? Have you ever heard a lawyer say, I rest my case? Now, have you ever known a lawyer whose mouth got tired? You got tired of talking? No. He rests his case because he's done. Maybe it's a good example. That's why Jesus rested. He's finished. He's provided everything. All things pertaining to life and godliness. This life... And for you to live a godly lives in, in power and authority and prosperity and health and wholeness and no condemnation already been provided. Yes. Hmm? Already on account for you. But you know, how many of you know you could have a bank account right over here at Chase and, and uh, have a million dollars in it and you could never touch it? And you could die of starvation? It's not God's fault. (laughs) God is for you. Whatever you're focusing on is magnified in your life. Talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. That's what they're talking about. You're focusing on it. You're magnifying it. You're making, you're, you're, you're getting so worked up. You know, things went south and you went with them. Things went bad and you fell apart like a $3 suitcase. Where's your faith? Where's your trust in the promises and provision and protection and the love of God for you? Because you have a part to play. Whatever you focus, it's going to be magnified and it's going to produce fear or faith in your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? I'm getting into some stuff here. I'm actually getting into the edge of the message. All right? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And death and life, see? Out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. So... What are you eating? (laughs) What are you eating? How many times do you eat in a week or in a day even? Don't, you don't have to answer. (laughs) Some of us, we don't have enough fingers. Huh? But you know, we do have to eat. It's important that we feed this physical body, isn't it? But our spirit is the same way. That's why everything in the Old Testament is in type and shadow. And the manna that came down from heaven, that was Jesus. That was His body. Mm. And if they collected more on any given day, except on the Sabbath, which it lasted for two days, it would what? Overnight, if they tried to get enough for two days, it would worms, it it would rot and spoil, wouldn't it? That's a picture, a type and shadow of our daily bread. Huh? There's a reason we need this daily bread. You know, you need to be putting in. I'm not talking about making a law or legalism out of so many hours of Bible study. Don't, you don't have to be like me. Spend every waking hour in the Word and praying in the Spirit and, and all that. And while you're working, while you're not working... That's my choice. And I do it so that I could show myself a workman approved. But I'm not talking about your relationship with the Lord. It's just that I hope that you, that you love it and that you love Him and that you know He loves you. 
Because the more you know He loves you, the more you're going to press into Him, and, and the more you get to know Him, the more fun it's going to be, and, and just, just, it, just, it just snowballs, folks. But you need the Word of God in your mind because you have to have it in there before that's what will come out of your mouth, huh? It has to be sown into the, the garden of your heart. We want the spiritual realm to be working on our behalf. Because there's a lot going on in the spiritual realm around you. You say, oh man, this guy, he's, he's out there. No. The spiritual realm is more real. It, it's what created this realm. Everything you can see, okay? There are angels in this room. And there are demons. I know that there are those that pray and they take the pastor back there. Let's pray that God will anoint you. If I'm not anointed by the time I get here... It's not going to happen after I get here because somebody prayed for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> but you need to understand the seeds that you are sowing into the garden of your heart. You're going to reap a harvest. Whether it's bitterness, unforgiveness... Hatred, anger, divisiveness, all those negative things produce fruit. Every seed produces after its own kind. Tomato seeds don't make cucumbers, you know what I mean? So we're going to create a crop and we're going to reap a harvest from what we've been eating. Whatever we've been putting into this decider... <laughs> this soulish realm and to the garden of our hearts. Amen. Amen. So, as we're always releasing spiritual forces to work either on our behalf or to oppose us, so let's, let's just look at one of the things or two, or if I get time, about truths about the Christian life and what's affecting the spiritual realm on our behalf. So we don't want to empower opposing forces to work against us. Are we in agreement on that? Okay. So we live in a fallen world, don't we? It's like we live in a war zone because the enemy, God has said, is in he is the ruler of this world temporarily. Right? Because we gave away our authority in the Garden of Eden and every seed that's been passed down from Adam came with that corrupted sin nature. And thank God He provided a way through Jesus that we can be freed from that. So when He moves in, He evicts that corrupt sin nature, renews our spirit, Puts the very mind of Christ and renews it and seals it with the promised Holy Spirit. That's why I said one third of your salvation is done. Amen. Problem is, with your natural senses, you cannot discern what's in that born again spirit. Your soul you're aware of. It's your personality. It's decider. And you know about your flesh because it's the one always asking you to, <laughs> to do everything for it, right? But unfortunately, too many people think that's all they are is a soul right. in a body. But this spiritual realm is more important because the Word says that God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And then it calls us to live a life after the spirit. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says we are spirit, soul, and body. So we are triune beings just like we serve a triune God. Amen. Amen. We have to learn to cooperate with the spiritual laws that God has put in place to help us to navigate this war zone, this corrupt, fallen world in which we live. But He has provided provision and protection for us whilst we are here. Yes. Amen. Amen. To advance the kingdom and to grow in the grace and knowledge and really to learn warfare. So assuming that we want to choose life, no show of hands. Okay. Holy Spirit. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit, the author of this Bible, hmm, 
the author of the Bible, the Holy Spirit, he's the administrator of all of the, the grace of God. Everything that Jesus has provided through the atonement. And he has come into this world to, to help us. So we need the word of God. That's, so, so how do we get the word of God in us? How do we get the help that we need? God has, when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to men, to the body of Christ. He gave the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher to help raise you up, to teach you and to grow you and disciple you for the work of the ministry. Those ministers are just supposed to be ministering to the body of Christ so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry. All the things that Scott said we were left behind for. Amen. Amen. So we have the fivefold ministry. Jesus said it's good that I go away because now I can send the promised Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has come to be that paraclete, the one who comes alongside us and takes a hold together with. That's what paraclete is. He's our helper, our teacher. And he's a steward of all of God's grace. And then we need to know that we have access the third thing is we have the access, no matter how neglected, right into the throne room of your Father in heaven. A personal relationship with God Himself. So all of those things combined together should be plenty to equip you, to empower you, so that you can speak life and live life and be empowered and live a victorious overcomer's life and help others to do the same. And we need it more than ever, folks. Huh? I have people, young and old, always trying to say, oh, well, it's too late for me. I already made up my bed. I'm going to lie in it. Like, no. If you start agreeing with God today, you'll be ahead of 90% of the Christians who've been sitting in church their whole life. And God will use whatever is left of your life to do immeasurable good. Not only for the kingdom of God, which is His primary importance, and to glorify Jesus, but as every sprinkler I've ever seen watering the yard is wet, So will you benefit from the water that you are pouring out on others to refresh them. Amen. Amen. You can't outgive God. (laughs) So the temptation of Jesus in uh, Mark chapter 4, he went into the desert and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. He was pretty hungry, don't you think? And in uh, Mark chapter 4, it opens up in the first verse talking about these things. And the enemy came at him and he tempted him, didn't he? He tried to three times and the answer from Jesus every time was the Word of God. Always from the fifth book of the Bible, Leviticus. (laughs) But he answered him with the Word of God every time. And in that, uh, the the fourth verse, he told him, you're hungry, turn these Stones into bread. And don't you know Jesus could have done it? And man, he had to be hungry. But instead of that natural food or feeding his flesh, he turned to the Spirit, didn't he? And he considered God and he considered the Word of God and he responded by the Word of God and he said, Yeah, but man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Just like he told them when they came back to the town, the disciples to get food, and Jesus was sitting with the woman by the well. And he came back and they had gotten food. He wasn't even hungry. He said, I have food you don't know anything about. And they said, where did you get some food? He's talking about he was there to help that one woman. He went way out of his way to help a woman who wasn't even an Israelite. Made a quiet an evangelist out of her. And by doing that, by sharing God's word with her, he himself was fed and nourished. Oh, hello. Come on. 
Our goal is to be like Jesus. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for the good. A lot of people like to stop right there. Because they like to relax and be lazy in their spiritual life and say that it's all up to God. He's going to work it all out for the good. Well, in a way, that's good because you're speaking faith. But the rest of the scripture goes like this. God works all things together for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Well, I guess I'm not included then because I'm, uh, He didn't call me to be a preacher. That's not what He's saying. Let me read on. For those God foreknew, verse 29, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. You are being transformed into the image of Jesus not in not the looks, the physical. Spiritually, you have the mind of Christ in your born again spirit. And every time you look into the mirror of this word and you're allowing it to read you, you're being refined as silver by the silversmith, heated up seven times, and every time he scrapes off the dross until what's he looking for on that seventh time, which is God's holy perfection. He's looking to look into it and there be no dross. He sees his own reflection. Thus you, you're going to get part of it here and what you don't get here, you're going to get when you see him face to face. Glory to God. Are my feet on the ground? I get excited about this stuff. So that he would be the firstborn, not the only child, the firstborn among many brethren, among many brothers and sisters. God sowed that perfect seed to get a perfect harvest, and that's you folks. But do you believe that about yourself? Do you say that? Do you you look in the mirror and tell yourself, look who Jesus loves? You need to. Maddie does. She gets it. And those he predestined, he also called. Huh? You called. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And those he justified, he also glorified. Oh, it's going to be glorious. You have no idea. You know, one day you will judge angels. You don't know who you are. If you did, you would walk in great authority and power and victory in this life. If I did, I'm not, I'm not there. But listen, I've left the dock. How many of you want to continue on that journey with me? Just, just cut the ropes. Cut the anchor. We're gone. 1 Corinthians 8.3 But the one who loves God is known by God. For God by foreknowledge knew who would choose Him. You see, that's what predestination is all about. It's not that before everything happened, He decided this one's going to be mine and this one's going to go to hell. He didn't do that. It's His will that all should go to heaven. But they won't. He knew because he has foreknowledge of all of time which ones of you would respond in faith to his son Jesus Christ. And because of that, he loved you in advance but because we knew already what you were going to do. Not because he made you a robot to do it. Hello? Are we, getting, are we growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Now, He's calling you to a life of faith. He's calling you to a life of trusting Him. He's calling to a, a life of trusting in His love for you and His promises towards you. There's about 8,000 in this book. 8,000 promises. They're all good and they're all yes and amen for you. Amen. So, since we set our minds, I'm almost done. Wow. Since we set our minds to magnify the Lord, we made up our minds, we have decided in our soulish realm, we 
I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to magnify the truth of what God says, no matter if it hair lips the Pope. Pray for me. Everybody say, I love Pastor Will. And I'm praying for him. Thank you. <laughs> Set our minds on the Lord. And we put the Word of God into our heart. We protect it. We nurture it. Like it's the only tomato seed in the world and we're starving for a tomato. Huh? Amen. Oh, me. <laughs> so, let's look at and one more thing, quickly, and then I'll, I'll finish, because I'm not going to get... Wow. I was going to start where I stopped last week, because I didn't get to the message, and I haven't got to that part yet. Because every time I sat down with the Lord, He starts saying other stuff. So that's where we'll start next week. <laughs> We plant the Word in our heart. We protect and nurture it. Then, having set our minds on the Spirit, Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, healing, deliverance, prosperity, forgiveness. We'll have the Word in our hearts to use to overcome all the works of the devil. Because we've been given that authority. But listen... What you don't know is killing you. That's why you got to put this in to the good ground, the tilled ground of your, the garden of your heart. Amen? Amen. And let it take root and bear fruit so that then when you speak it in faith, you speak life. When, you, when you've set your mind on the Spirit, not the flesh, you're speaking life. You're speaking health. You're speaking prosperity. You're speaking the truth to a sick and dying world about the goodness of God and the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yes. Every time you speak, you are sowing seeds. Make sure they're not death. Make sure you are sowing seeds of life. Of the Holy Spirit of God. Of the nature of God. Because you're going to reap a harvest. More than you sow. The same thing that you sow. Later than you sow. There's seed. Time. And harvest. I know. My nephew just planted my place on my tractor. 90 acres of it with, with milo and wheat. And it's, it hasn't, there's no harvest yet. Because he just planted it last week. But listen, he, he pulled that tandem plow with the grain drill behind it. So smart. <laughs> so you had to do it twice. So like when, when we come up here and you hear praise and worship and you enter into the presence of the Lord and Messiah or, or John or myself or whoever is helping you to enter into the presence of the Lord, that praise and worship that's plowing the ground of your heart so you can receive from that grain drill <laughs> the precious seed of the Word of God. Now? Hmm? Now you need to protect it, nurture it. Don't let the enemy steal you t or talk you out of it, huh? Oh. I'm going to... I'm going to... Praise God. Oh. It's so good. It's all so good, though. But I'm just not going to get there. But has this been good for you? All right. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful grace and mercy. Come on, Sai. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much and for teaching us and growing us up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that we are yours and that you love us and that you've provided through your spiritual laws that we have. We need to learn to, to cooperate with because they're all in place for our benefit. Help us to learn just the basic tenets today, especially just of, of what we're sowing. The seeds we're sowing out of our mouth. The fruit of our lips. Lord, let it be good. Let it be godly. Let it be life and not death. Let it be to encourage and edify and build up others and the body of Christ. 
and not and to be bold to speak your word and your truth and to give our testimony of what you have done in our life and the free gift of salvation that is available to everyone. In Jesus' name, amen.